Welcome to Practice Care with Carl White, the podcast where we help practice owners in healthcare know just enough about the business side to make good business decisions and keep their practices independent. Now our host, Carl. What are the benefits of being a partner in a group versus being solo and on your own? We're going to explore that today on Practice Care. I'm Carl White, Principal at Mark Advisory Group, which is a healthcare marketing agency, and I'm also the host of Practice Care. The mission for both is the same, and that's to help private practice owners stay private. Not only is that what they want, but I really think that care is better when it's just you and your provider sitting at the table trying to figure out what's best for you. And nobody else is secretly whispering in your provider's ear what their own agenda is, whether it's a hospital or a health system, owners in faraway lands, whoever they might be, it's better when it's just you and your provider. And today my guest is Dr. Kamisha Wright. Dr. Wright is a partner with ENT and Allergy Associates of Florida. She holds a medical degree from the Howard University College of Medicine in Washington, and also holds a Master of Public Health degree from Florida A&M University. She completed her surgery internship and residency at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. She's a member of the American Medical Association, American College of Surgeons, American American Academy of Otolaryngic Allergy, and the American Academy of Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery. Dr. Wright successfully passed both the written and oral portions of the 2012 fellow examination held by the American Academy of Otolaryngic Allergy. She may now use the additional credentials and distinction of FAAOA. She also serves at both the local, state, and national level and is the president of the Florida Society of Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgeons for the 2022-23 year. Thank you for taking some time, Kamisha, to come on Practice Care. Thank you for inviting me. I'm honored. Yeah. Um, I always like to start when I, uh, when I meet a practitioner in a, in a different field. You are an ENT and allergy specialist. And I'm always just curious, what was it about ENT and allergy as opposed to any other part of the medical you know, world? That, that, that you were attracted to? You know, you might find that a lot of doctors are attracted to things that they've kind of dealt with or, you know, had when they were growing up. So for me, um, I didn't have a medical um, family. Um, I'm kind of the first um, okay. in my family um, who has gone into medicine. So when I went to medical school, I really kind of had a a really broad opinion as far as like, keeping keep my, my um, eyes open for anything. And I loved it all. I loved pediatrics. I loved general surgery. I loved internal medicine. So it was really challenging for me to try and make a decision. Ultimately, I got to uh, an opportunity to do an ENT rotation as a subspecialty um, during my general surgery um, rotation and fell in love. Um, it gives you a blend of both medicine and surgery. You can see adults and children. You can operate, or if you you know choose not to, you can just see patients in the clinic. So you have like the best blend of all of the different specialties for me. And the complexity of the head and neck was enough to keep it from being boring. So ah. I felt like it was just like the best fit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say because you're right. I mean, um, particularly more like on the on the the holistic side of the world, you know, why'd you become a chiropractor? Well, I was in this horrific car accident and they told me I needed surgery. And then I found a chiro and oh my God, it was life-changing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. When you say it that way, there's usually some sort of personal tie, you know, in history that, that takes you. But for you, it's the variety, which is, uh, I hadn't thought about it that way before you described it that way. That's neat. Um, so you are in a very large partnership uh, you are a partner in a very large uh, practice rather. So, yes. and, and so, you know, the topic of our episode is getting big while staying private. So mm-hmm. give us the background on it. Tell us more about it, how you found it, 
you know, give us the story. Sure. So um, ENT and Allergy Associates of Florida, it's, it's a, I believe at this point, one of the largest single specialty groups um, for otolaryngology in the nation. We have over 80 doctors um, in the entire group. And, and typically the way it's, it's um, structured is that we're um, a single group, but we um, have a care center model so that each doctor's office is an individ individual independent care center. We are all like equal partners, but we kind of have our own care centers where we can basically, you know, provide care to our individual patients. Okay. Um, so it, that really attracted me because, you know, they, they allow you to have this autonomy within your own practice, but then we're still operating within the group um, so that we can, you know, discuss, you know, things and, 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 and have a real impact when it comes to things like negotiating with insurance companies and things like that. Right. So you have figured out, it's really interesting. So you have figured out how to get buying power. You get yes. big, which, which is so necessary, not just in, in healthcare, but in a lot of areas, but especially in healthcare. I mean, everything from, you know, insurance rates to, you know, gloves for, for yes. when, you're, when you're treating patients in the office. So, so larger is yes. better when it comes to buying stuff, uh, but you've also found the way to, to maintain independence. So as a practicing clinician, do you have you have complete autonomy to treat, treat patient X, however you will. Is that right? Well, we have autonomy to treat the patients as, as we will. Now, obviously, if you're going to do something egregious there, are, there we do have a board and we do have over, you know, over, over, um, oversight and there are different um, compliance programs to make sure that we, you know, are practicing within the standard of care. Sure. Um, you know, so you, you can't just go and decide, I want to do like brain surgery and I'm an ENT doctor. <laughs> Tech those allergies a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally different way. But but you know, with that being said, they give you a lot of um, leeway to kind of just manage your practice the way that you want it to be done. Right. But when it goes to you know buying office supplies, negotiating with insurance, you you act as one one large group. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, we do. And how long have you been with the group? And kind of give us because we were talking, you didn't start that way. That's right. Um. So. Initially, when I finished my residency program, I knew that I didn't want to go into private practice solo. I just didn't feel like I was ready for it. I didn't feel like I had the business acumen to really kind of just start a business on my own and run it independently. Mm -hmm. So I, I joined a, a small um, group of um, three other doctors at mm -hmm. the time, and it was the four of us. And Which is a great. decent size. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it, not so common. Yeah, it, it was great. You know, we, we operated um, well together as a group, but even with the four of us, we still would have, you know, issues when it came to negotiating contracts or when we're trying to say if we're hiring, you know, say a new physician or something like that, you know, th there were some, we had to get assistance from the hospital. We had to get, you know, you know, assistance in, in different ways. So um, it, it, it created some, some, some drawbacks there. Um for me, ultimately, I did leave that smaller group, not for those reasons. I just wanted to to relocate to another part of the state, a little bit mm -hmm. further south. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm just about an hour north of Miami. Okay. Um. So then I went to and did like my worst nightmare in my when I first started out, and I started as a solo a solo doctor, but um was very well, very blessed you know, and lucky. The best laid plans, right? <laughs> yeah. But it was it was great. It worked out. It worked out fine as far as like um, my my partners that I had before were amazing people. They taught me so much. So I felt like I had, you know, two feet on the ground at least when I got started. 
But the, the challenge that I found is that I still would have a, a, a problem when it came to trying to get paid for my work mm-hmm. um, or, or trying to recruit, you know, new staff um, for my, my practice. I would be um, competing with a, a hospital structure or a larger, you know, healthcare entity. Um, that could offer things like um, a 401k plan and this really good, you know, insurance or, you know, plan. And as a solo doctor um, with no no partners, it's harder to offer those kind of options um, to those people. So yeah. I would lose out a lot um, on recruiting, like say even another doctor or, you know, in, in, or, you know, ancillary staff. So um, my bill, billing, trying to trying to collect the, the fees and things like that, you know, you hire individual billers or you, you, um, you know, outsource it out was having some, you know, issues with that. And so just mm-hmm. after a few hiccups, I, I wanted to start looking for other ways of, you know, practicing without having all the headaches. Right. Um, and so that's when that my, my previous partners, um, discussed about how, Hey, you know, we're thinking, about joining this larger group and at that time they had maybe 40 plus doctors mm-hmm. um he you know these are the thing that's really good is that they have everything done like you know all of like the hiring stuff you know it's it's, it's set you know as far as we have these little protocols what's well, easy you know if we want to hire x so you just do this hey if you want to do billing this is our protocol for that hey if you mm-hmm. want to do this this is your buy-in so it 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 made sense they joined first and then i kind of saw how they they did within the group um I liked it. Yeah, and I, I I joined in um, twenty sixteen. Yeah, you know it 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 resembles like a franchise model, kind of sorta. So there's this you know centralized kind of I'll say back office or corporate office, whatever, and they standardize yeah. and make things really efficient, like the things that are not clinical, buying yeah. all the stuff, hiring packages, uh, yes. all those sorts of things, so that. And it's, it's even in a large corporate world, that's called shared services. So you've got, you know, six divisions in a company, but you don't need six HR groups. You need one HR group that has little, you know, representatives to each of the six businesses, because behind the scenes, even though, you know, you're practicing in your care center and all the other 80s are practicing in their own, there's certain things that why, why should we have 80 versions of hiring somebody? Let's have one. Yeah. You know, let's have one purchasing account for paper clips and office supplies and whatever. And we'll, We'll buy reams of it and get a better price and so on and so on. It makes a lot of, but, but the difference is, is you've managed to keep the ownership all to, all to yourself. I mean, to, yes. to partners yeah. and man, that's, that's the sweet spot. Like that's, that's how you can compete um, because it comes down to buying power. I think in a lot of cases we were talking about this before is right. So when 80 doctors show up and say, yeah, Excellent. we want to, we only want to pay a nickel for that box of paper clips. And then you show up as a single, <laughs> and I guess I'm paying 30 cents. Like there's nothing you can do about it. And it just adds it's- up. That's exactly right. That's yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. And it's somebody else negotiating anyway, right? It's not even you necessarily. So you, your time is better. Yes. I was going to say it takes, you know, it takes a lot of like those, those day-to-day, like, you know, headaches where like, you know, if you want, I wanted to spend more time practicing medicine and, and not just only, you know, dealing with all of the, the little hundred different decisions that I had to make during the day mm-hmm. because of this administrative thing here, this administrative thing there. And we still make decisions. I mean, we're still like, you know, involved, mm-hmm. but it's just that there's a lot on like the um, management side that is managed for us that we don't have to worry about yeah. those headaches. <laughs> I'm curious, like, how do you get 80 partners to, when a decision's got to be made at the partner level, how, how do you get the 80 together or how do you, is there a vote? Like, how do you, how do you work through that? 
Well, so typically the way that we have it organized is that, you know, we we do have our annual meetings where we are trying to get together in person. Okay. Um, but we do have an operating board um, where in each region, there's mm-hmm. like, say, a representative. So, so for like the Broward County region, we have a representative who speaks on the board on our behalf. You know, for like, say, the Tampa region or the Panhandle region, you know, they'll have someone who will speak on their behalf. So it's not where we're having all 80 of us speaking at the same time. We'll have a representative from our region who will discuss our, right. our, our, our thoughts. Which is funny because it's an even number and you never want that when you have to vote on anything because then you have ties and oh my God. Well, let's say, we'll say 80 plus. 80 <laughs> okay, plus. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have an odd number. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick pause for an announcement and we'll be right back to the show. This episode is sponsored by the Strategic Financial Group's Christopher Klepp. That's C-L-E-P-P. Chris has 21 years of experience in wealth advisement and today specializes in helping business and practice owners under the age of 55, deal with life's challenges. With Chris, you'll create a plan that builds overall financial health, conceives of an exit plan later in life, and even makes work optional if that's what you want. To have an introductory call with Chris and see if there's a match, call Chris at area code 773-368-2324. Once again, that's 773-368-2324. We're also going to put Chris's contact info in the show notes to this episode. And now back to the show. So you mentioned something earlier, it's the largest single specialty practice, one of the largest around. Um, So there's single specialty and multi-specialty. Did you look at, when you were thinking, look, I don't want to be a solo anymore. I want to get into this, you know, this group concept. Did you look at both types and what, how did you compare them? How would you compare them? Yes. Actually at the, at the time, um, I was looking between two different um, single specialty groups. It was like a a, a northern base group and like a southern base group, which is like kind of based more so in Miami. Okay. Um. So I wasn't looking at a multi-specialty group at that time, but I'm happy that I joined the group that I did because the other group um ultimately decided to join a multi-specialty group. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like the 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 downside to being in a multi-specialty group is just that you know you don't have as much power within the group. You know, say if there's only like, say, two of your specialty and then you have a specific need, well, if there's like a hundred doctors and there's like, you know, three ENTs and like, hey, well, we need this new, you know, piece of equipment yeah. and it doesn't really suit with like the, you know, the, the 40 internal medicine doctors, you know, needs that it may get put on the back burner versus in a solo, you know, a solo mm. a single practice, our specialty group, you know, we, we have all the same needs mm-hmm. and such. Plus when you're, I, I, what I found is that when they were, bought out with um a larger group it makes a lot of sense when you're like a maybe an older an older um physician mm-hmm. who is closer to retirement because usually you'll get a certain amount of money like as a buy-in um let's just say um or you know when, when you guys are negotiating you make it like say three million dollars or whatever you make yeah. million dollars they give you a certain amount and then you get a certain percentage of your of what you bring in after that and it may only be like say 30 percent so if you're if you're like going to practice for another five years and then retire, then you want to get your money and then the little bit that you get afterwards, it doesn't matter. Right. But if you're if you're a younger physician, you know, like me, who's going to be practicing for like another, you know, 20, 30 years, then I, I probably wouldn't want to go into a multi-specialty where I'm buying in, getting a, you know, selling my practice, you know, in, in some form to them, get this big, you know, payout up front but they only get 30% over like maybe 20 years, That's that may not work for me because I think right. get upside down at some point in time. 
right. the expenses. Right. And you know, the point you made about it, if you, if you're a small voice in a large group, um, that, that has nothing to do with, with daily clinical life that has everything to do with, with, you know, the realities of an organization. And so, yeah, if you're yeah. out there and you're thinking about a multi-specialty, maybe one of the things you want to look at is how many other, how many others out there practice what I practice and what kind of representation will we have in the overall group? If we are, you know, only a couple percentage points, it's going to be tough for us to get what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, all, uh, you know, all the other benefits aside. So it's just something to weigh. It's just definitely something to weigh. Very interesting. I think, I think too, like for me, like one of the things I was thinking about was if I didn't join this group and I couldn't survive as a solo practitioner, then the other option would be that I would be a hospital, you know, physician. Yeah. And I really didn't want to do that because I, I have a lot of friends who who are hospital physicians. Nothing against hospitals. I mean, we all need we need hospitals, but they just they didn't have you know the independence. They 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 didn't have like you know a lot of the things that I was afforded in my own practice that and that I get by being a, a part of this private practice group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want to take time off, or they have to get that approved. If I if I want to shut down my office for a month. And the other partners aren't going to say anything, you know, mm. I, I get, I get what I, what I bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hospital will, they'll start, you know, coming on to you like, no, cause you need to, you know, bring in so much, you know, mm-hmm. money for your practice every so often. And I just didn't like the thought of that, like yeah. just not having that kind of power over my own life. Yeah. You actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you is, did you look at these other options is, you know, buying power is one of the big benefits of a large group. There's other ways to get buying power. Um, well, you know, in those cases, hospital or health system, you've, you're no longer an owner. So that's the compromise that you make. And it's the big thing nationwide. You know, there's, there's some stories of people coming back out and reforming a private practice, but for most it's, it's selling and becoming an employee of somebody. You just never know what it's like to be an employee. You, you can, you know, ask other people all you want, but you just don't know it until you do it. And some like it and some don't. You, you, you have the foresight. You said, I don't want to do that. I think I just, I know me, like I, I'm, I've always, I guess I've always been built with that kind of like CEO, like mindset, like that, that entrepreneur mindset where I just like have yeah. like control over my own life and so forth. And I just, I, I'm not at the stage in my life where I want, where I want to be an employee. Yeah. And if you feel that way, I don't think it ever changes. Okay. <laughs> so I don't think it does. I was an employee for a long time and, and uh, I've never been happier being out. And I think I learned the same thing about myself is, boy, it's so much easier out here. You know, my joke is I always agree with my boss. We finish each other's sentences. We're always <laughs> in alignment. We always agree with each other. And it's just, you know, life's, life's a lot easier. Um, <laughs> life's a lot easier. Well, you know, uh, there could be so much more that we, that we talk about this, but in the interest of, you know, bite-sized advice on the business side of practice for our listeners, a couple of kind of finishing questions. The first one is, is there anything you think that our listeners need to know about what we've been talking about, but I just didn't ask you about? Um, I think you did a good job of asking me, you know, a lot about, you know, just some of the benefits of being in private practice in a larger group versus, you know, being a solo practitioner versus, you know, um, joining a a hospital or being a paid employee. Um, Any pitfalls of being in a group? Like watch outs, things, you know, now that I'm in it, boy, I, it's not a killer, but I wish it, you know, it's good to know this. You know, I think that no, nothing is perfect. Um, you know, some of the things is like, you know, maybe I want to do, let me think of a pitfall for being in the group. Obviously, you know, there, there may be a, a, well, some of the things that we do, say if we want to do a certain procedure, you know, for like, um, 
sinus surgery or something like that. We have these compliance protocols and paperwork that we do to try and make sure that everyone is in compliance, which is actually amazing. Um, but it's just more more paperwork and so forth that you're doing that you may not have done if you're on your own, you know, if you're doing on your own. Okay. Um, so some of the pitfalls, it's just that you do have like that, you know, that in that governance, you have your independence and we can have a lot of autonomy, but we don't have complete autonomy. If there's something that they say, hey, you know what, you have to do this protocol for this, you know, procedure or whatever, then you have to kind of follow that protocol. Usually when we're doing things like that, though, it's more so for safety. So that say if we're audited later, everyone's doing everything the same way, you know, as far as like, if you're, if you have to do say a procedure, we're showing, you know, above the shadow, you know, or beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's not being done unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. You have like the, you know, the CT scans, all the things to kind of back it up. So, I mean, it's 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 annoying, you know, as a as a doctor sometimes to have to like do an, an extra couple of sheets of paper, but you know, I see the benefit of it. Right. Would you have to do some kind of similar paperwork in a hospital or health system? Probably. I, I mean, I, it sounds it reasonable. Would. Probably would. And I think that yeah. even, even if you typically like the paperwork that we have to do is just something that will be required by an insurance company either way. So that way you're kind of like already checking your boxes and dotting your I's and crossing your T's. Sure. Okay. That's not, yeah. I guess if you think that hard about a pitfall, it's not that much of a, <laughs> it's not that bad. And it makes sense. And, and, um, you know, if, if you are, if your back's against a wall, your private practice thinking, I gotta, I gotta get bigger somehow. Um, you're going to invite more administrative, you know, weight anyway, I guess. So yeah. pick, pick your poison, but with your way, you're still private. Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, it's also just a matter of like your mindset and like the way how you go into it. Like for me, my mindset is always a, a positive one. And I'm trying to think about ways of like, if I see issues, usually I've brought it to the attention of whomever and we we try and address it. So the issues that I may have had in the past, I can't think of right now because sure. we, we've addressed those issues. I mean, whenever you deal with a lot of heads of, you know, people thinking together, there's going to be some hiccups and, you know, maybe you don't always agree with everyone in your group. Sure. But ultimately we're all just trying to practice medicine and, you know, treat people well and, and do good, do good work and yeah. also, you know, live our lives. Keep a good thing going because yeah. it's a good thing. Perfect. And then my other question is for, for those who are listening to this, whose interest has been picked about, you know, I'm private and I want to stay private and this is a way, um, what are one or two tangible steps you could recommend that they take as soon as they're done listening to start to, you know, explore the path of forming a group or joining a group, whatever it might be? Mm -hmm. Well, many times I would say just to kind of look at some of the doctors in your area, you know, like many times if you're a solo doctor, you probably talk to some of your colleagues to try and get cross coverage if you're going to like say go out of town for the weekend or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, if you could build a relationship with them, maybe that's something you might want to consider as far as like, hey, maybe we could build this group where I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, we can have our own care pod, but our... Um, would you like to maybe work to our care center, but would you like to work together to try and come up with like a central mm -hmm. process for, you know, HR for all these things and then get all that to kind of work. Right. So just, I guess, reaching out to your, your colleagues and see, you know, just start having some conversations and yep. then you never know what could happen. This group started really small. I think it started with like maybe like seven or eight doctors and now it's grown from there to like 80 plus. And about how much time would you say? It's, I believe the group was founded in 1963 and it was like in like maybe 1998 or so that they started and with like the seven doctors. Um, and it's pretty then quick. It's, 
yeah and then it's kind of grown within the past few years and so we were like i said six years ago i was about i was like you know joining when there was like 40 plus doctors and then what we ended up doing is merging with another um, larger group that had over 30 doctors um based on in west florida like in the tampa um, St. Pete region. Mm-hmm. So when uh, those our two groups merged, that's how it kind of made that huge jump. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then we joined a couple of other groups based out of like say Panhandle and a few from Miami. And so now we were kind of like covering like across the state of Florida with um multiple different care centers. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about leverage, right? So, you know, Dr. X and Dr. Y who are in the same town and they, they, you know, they're, they're, practice the same in the same corner of, of medicine, you know, why not? I could tell you from the marketing perspective, um, one practice with two offices doing the marketing is much less money than doing two separate practices with separate ownership, separate, everything It's less. And so there's a simple example of leverage and now take that concept and multiply it along the other areas, you know, that you have to get stuff for your practice and it just, Mm -hmm. it just gets, it just gets better. Well, cool. Kamisha, thank you. Thank you again. It's hugely interesting conversation. I feel like we found at least given more voice to a way to get big and stay private and both are necessary, at least for our listeners. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience with it. Thank you so much, Carl. This is great. Yeah. We will put all of Kamisha's info in the show notes for uh, this episode. So if anybody wants to read up on her or maybe reach out and, and, and pick her brain a bit more, you'll be able to do that. And a couple of points before we finish. If you've had an experience with the business side of your practice, like Kamisha has, uh, that you think others would benefit from, or if you're somebody like me that services private practice owners, and you've got an experience that you think would help, we want you to come on Practice Care. So in the show notes for every episode, including this one, there's a, a link you can click, quick form to fill out, tell us what's on your mind. Please do so so that we can get you scheduled as soon as possible. And finally, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Practice Care on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks very much. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Practice Care with Carl White. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss another episode. You can find our guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.